I think that's definitely a sweet spot with Gisalo is finding creative ways to work with different organizations and community groups that are already doing amazing work. And so uh, seeing what's already going on and uh, how we can all work together and connect and collaborate. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity. My name's John Zimmerman. I'm the founder of the Active Towns Initiative, and I'm truly honored to serve as your host each week on this podcast journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2021. And in this week's episode, I'm super stoked to share this conversation I recently had with Brianna Cohen of the Gisalo Cycling Initiative. Brianna serves as the Austin lead and community educator, and we talk about the many engaging activation programs and services this beloved nonprofit is providing within the Austin and San Antonio communities. She also serves on the Bicycle Advisory Council for the city of Austin. But before we roll into those discussions, please allow me a very brief moment to mention that this episode is once again being brought to you by the generous contributions of our donors, sponsors, and monthly patrons on our Patreon page. And here's a big shout out to our newest patron, Sean Smith. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate the support. Now, if you too happen to be in a position to make a contribution, and I am serious when I say that any amount helps, please just head over to my website at activetowns.org and click on that bright blue donate button on the top right corner of the page. Now, if money is tight right now and making a contribution is simply not an option at this moment, no worries. Believe me when I say that I can relate. But there's good news. If you find this podcast helpful, you can still help me out in a big way by telling your friends, colleagues, or even community leaders you think might benefit from this content. Either way, thank you also very much for tuning in and whatever support you can send my way as I strive to grow the culture of activity movement. One final reminder before we get started. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to and rate the Active Towns podcast on your preferred listening platform. That really does help, so I'd appreciate it. Okay, time to get this inspiring conversation with Brianna Cohen rolling. Brianna, it's so wonderful to connect with you here today. Welcome to the Active Towns podcast. Thank you, John. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Oh, you are quite welcome. And, you know, hey, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to talk a little bit about the Gisalo Cycling Initiative. But to get us started, um, would you please just share a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to, to find yourself working for the initiative? Definitely. Yeah, um, it was definitely a sort of a natural progression. Uh, I was biking as a kid. Uh, with my siblings, we would ride to a local park about a mile from our house. And that was really the first time I was getting into the swing of things and the rhythm of the body and connecting with my siblings. And to this day, biking has been how I connect, I think, with people in general and the environment in my community, too. And so it's how I made a lot of friends um, in Austin and also what ultimately led me to Gisalo. Um, originally I started on the team as a community ambassador for the Smart Trips Austin, um, program. And we were focusing on encouraging people to bike, use the bus, walk, 
use all these alternative types of uh, transportation besides um, single occupant vehicle trips and really fell in love with all the programs that Jazala does, both uh, the youth-focused programs with Cycle Academy and then the Golden Rollers program riding on trikes. And so here I am today, uh, 2021, um, still leading programs in the ways that we can and coordinating a lot of our other projects and initiatives. Fantastic. So you mentioned uh, your siblings and and being able to ride to the park, which is about a mile away. Uh, What community was that in? That was in Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, wow. Okay. So Baltimore, Maryland. And do you get the sense that that trip, that one mile trip to, to, to the park is still, it, seemed, it must have been a relatively safe trip if you guys were able to jump on the bike and go. Yeah. So as kids, like all we wanted to do is get out of the house and be outside. And so hopping on the bikes and going to this park, there was a cool trail in the back where we could kind of sneak and weave around to get there. Um, it was the first time I think I really felt independent and was able to take on the world, you know, on my own accord with my siblings. And I think that holds true no matter where you are, if you have access to local parks and safe routes to get there. Um, I think our parents were definitely nervous at first to just let us go, but I think it was very foundational for us just landing on our feet and like taking on the world and, and reaching the things that we wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, you mentioned sense of community that, you know, of, you know, the bikes really helped with that. Um, what, what was that journey of you getting from, from Baltimore to eventually ending up here in Austin? And it seemed like there was a, a, a common thread of sense of community with bikes. Or do you have some other examples was it a, did you move here right from Baltimore or, or what were some of the steps along the way? Yeah. So before moving to Austin, I was actually living in Bogota, Colombia, and I was teaching English there uh, in one of the smaller towns, and every Sunday they had a ciclovia, and so, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm sure you've heard of the ciclovia, but it's, it's very big in Bogota, and that was my favorite day of the week because you would see thousands of people on the streets, on the calles, um, on bikes, skateboards, running, rollerblading, Um, People, you know, wheeling their kids in strollers or grandparents in wheelchairs. And it was just a huge sense of fun and enjoying the outdoors and really connecting with each other. And they closed down so many streets there. And um, yeah, that was like my favorite day of the week for sure. Bogota is a very industrial city, very large, like 8 million people. And so the other days uh, I spent hours on the transmillennial bus system getting around town and to my classes, but really found joy in, in biking in the ciclovia. And so in coming to Austin, I was really looking to bike every single day because I found so much joy on those Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. And that's wonderful. And for those folks that are listening in that may not have uh, known about the, uh, the Bogota ciclovias, uh, it's something that dates back to uh, when Gil and Enrique uh, Peñalosa uh, were involved there in the city. I, I believe Enrique was the, the mayor at the time and, and Gil was in charge of the uh, Parks and Recreation Program. And it was really at the forefront of that this movement of open streets and creating streets for people. And yeah, it really you know started just a, a worldwide phenomena 
of, you know, these Sunday streets programs and, and, and now we have them all over the place, all over the world. That's wonderful that you got to experience that. Now, how, how old were you when you were there? I was 22. Okay. So you were, it was amazingly formative for, for you to be, you know, there experiencing that. So then you land in, uh, in Austin and it sounds like you, you got sort of engaged right away. And that smart trips program that you mentioned briefly there, that's, that's a TDM program, right? That's mm-hmm. a, so talk a little bit more deeply about that. So the objectives of that program was to reduce single occupant vehicle trips and in turn increase people taking trips by bike, by walking, by using the bus, carpooling. And so, yeah, for all the benefits of the environment, but also reducing traffic and pollution. And so that program was largely focused on connecting with people on the east side. That was the focus area of 2019 when I was an ambassador and creating different events and activities that would encourage people or introduce them to biking, walking, and busing. And so we led um, three beginning city cycling clinics, um, and that was for new or novice riders to get comfortable biking on the streets. And we would do both have like an on-course portion of the clinic where we teach the hand signals and how to balance on the bike or how to do a quick ABCD, ABCD quick check on your bike before actually riding it. And then the second half of those clinics is largely focused on taking the participants out on the streets and actually experiencing the ride for themselves and getting comfortable with it uh, and pointing out some of the safety things to keep in mind, rules of the road, um, but really preparing people to, to gain that, those skills and confidence to ride on their own. Yeah, that's great. And that's primarily a an adult-oriented program, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's part of Gisalo's City Cyclist uh, program sector, the beginning city cycling clinics. Yeah, yeah. And I apologize to the audience. I, I, I threw an acronym out there. I said TDM. So that's Transportation Demand Management Program, where, uh, you know, the, the city and other organizations around the country, around the world are are striving to to help facilitate mode shift and and trying to you know relieve some of that uh, that uh, demand that is on the transportation systems and and you know sort of change the way people get about so yeah good stuff so let's talk a little bit more deeply about you know the the overview of the initiative there's three main tranches uh, that are are part of the Gisalo uh, Cycling Initiative. Um, why don't you walk us through each of those? You've mentioned them briefly. So Cycle Academy is what Gisalo started on nearly 10 years ago now. And so that's the youth-focused programs, anything from afternoon after-school bike clubs to uh, during-school bicycle skills challenges, which are advanced bike rodeos. Uh, to group rides on the weekends. We have lending libraries with some of the universities and schools, and those are like uh, a a library, but instead of checking out books, you're checking out bikes. And then earn a bike programs we've done in the past. And so, yeah, Cycle Academy is fully focused on our youth. And we're we're in, I think, nearly 20 schools, 20 AISD schools in the Austin area, mainly Title I schools. And we have bikes, fleets of bikes set up either with the classes or in containers outside of the schools um, just to make sure all the kids have access to bikes for our programs. And so 
moving on to, I guess what came next was the Golden Rollers program. And that's focused on older adults and seniors. And that program is largely just having the seniors come out and ride tricycles with us at different senior centers, parks and recreation department centers, and just trails around Austin. Um, that started at Conley Guerrero along the Boggy Creek Trail. And so any morning throughout the week, you'll find us yeah, rolling around the trikes. The seniors love to come out because they get to see other friendly faces, both other participants and then also the staff instructors. Um, they, yeah, they're sharing stories. They're moving their body. It's definitely a very joyful experience. And you realize that you can ride a bike at any age. It doesn't matter how old you are. We've had people upwards of in their 90s participate. So that's a great program to be a part of too. And then in 2019, we opened up to the City Cyclist Program, which is our general adult-focused programs. Uh, and those are just to help you know people at any age uh, get biking, and whether that's through doing our clinics or programs, community rides, um, different self-guided rides, uh, you name it, we've probably done it and are continuing to expand that more. That's great. Now, you mentioned uh, when you were describing the academy, the Title I schools, and and that's a big part of the emphasis of the initiative is you're working in some of those traditionally underinvested neighborhoods. Yeah, as as an organization, we're very focused on uh, being intentional on where we provide services or where which kind of groups we connect with first um, to make sure that we're reaching the most people in need. And so by working with Title I schools and also at the senior activity centers, that's already a, a group of people that are going to these spaces. And we know, you know, there's extra resources that could be helpful there. And so we're pretty intentional about going to those places. Fantastic. And I reached out to you uh, recently because I got really excited about some of the city cycling uh, initiatives that you were doing. One of the things that I love about uh, the types of programming that you guys do is very pragmatic in, in, in really helping people, especially if they're not, you know, like, for instance, if they've never commuted to, to work before or they never used cycling as uh, for their for utilitarian purposes, for their everyday needs. Talk a little bit about some of the programming and, and, and how you help people discover that, oh, my gosh, it's possible to live a car light <laughs> lifestyle. So the beginning city cycling clinics are definitely one of those programs where uh, participants get to come and join us both on the on-course portion and then on the road where we go out and ride with them. And so they get to experience it for themselves, what it's like to get from point A to point B. And we introduce them to different trails and bikeways, um, both protected, unprotected, urban trails, uh, calm neighborhood streets all different kinds of roads that are more friendly and comfortable to ride on than your typical, you know, highway road or highly trafficked high speed roads. And so that helps people to see like, oh, this is something I actually can do and be a part of. And it's not as intimidating as I maybe thought it was. And that's just by, you know, introducing them to the, the right routes. Um, but also when they're doing it with other people, you know, sometimes you feel safer when you're riding in a group for the first time or if you just have one or two friends to go with or family members, and then uh, slowly making your way to do it on your own. 
Another follow-on to that is we have our personalized uh, bike commuter sessions. And so that's very tailored to whatever the participant needs. Um, They're welcome to ask questions and kind of share some of their challenges or barriers that they face to biking, whether it's route or not knowing what equipment to use or uh, not knowing, you know, some of the basic rules of how do I signal or what do I do at a stop sign? And not everyone knows whether you're acting as a pedestrian or a car driver or somewhere in between. And so just going through those rules with people really helps them uh, to get a better uh, understanding of it. And then uh, most recently, we started doing this uh, program called Wheelie Good Snack Packs. And so right now, it's our staff going out and delivering snack packs to kids throughout the east side. Um, We've done about 150 kids each week uh, getting these snack packs. And in May, during Bike Month, we're going to open it up to general volunteers to come out and join. And so the Wheelie Good Snack Packs is part of our City Cyclists People Powered Places initiatives. And that's providing essential and supportive services and developing community connections. And so we're incorporating both adults as part of the City Cyclist umbrella, but then also kids as part of the Cycle Academy umbrella, um, just to connect all different groups to the biking in, in and around Austin. How cool is that? <laughs> Do you have like the most fun job ever? It's very fun. We have, we've been using this e-cargo trike as well to put a lot of the snack packs in. And originally we got the e-cargo trike for people in wheelchairs to hop on and we could ride them around so they get to experience um, what it's like to bike. But because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to effectively use those with our senior population yet or wheelchair population. And so we're just finding different ways of using them in between. But soon we'll get the seniors on, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's great. I love it. And and I love the fact that the initiative has so much rich content uh, out there that is, especially like in social media, it'll pop up on my screen. I'm seeing a lot more of like highlighting uh, some new infrastructure that's coming in place. Talk a little bit about that because it's, it, it, I think it's a, an important point to, to this whole mix of the fact that we're starting to see more all ages and abilities infrastructure emerging in the city. Yeah, so the city of Austin is doing a really great job at expanding and improving the all ages and abilities network. And so I think the next step into doing that is actually engaging and activating those trails with people who live in and around them. And so one of the things we like to do is just promote the awesome work that's going on in the city. And when we come across, you know, new infrastructure that that provides really safe and comfortable routes for people to use, we want to share that so people can then use those trails and bikeways. And so Jake, who's one of our staff, he got really into video and photography during this past year. And so he's been taking a lot of those videos and shots of the trails and then sharing them uh, along with Alex, who does a lot of our social media and Christopher as well. And yeah, we just want to spread the word as much as we can. If, If it wasn't a pandemic right now, we would be actively leading group rides and activities for people to be experiencing the trails. But in the meantime, um, we've been leaning on social media a bit to spread the word. Back before the pandemic, we would do this thing called 
we bike Wednesdays. And so every Wednesday we would meet at Texas Coffee Traders, which is right along the Lance Armstrong bikeway on 4th Street, um, just past 35 to the east. And we would provide free coffee and then some baked goods in the morning to anyone that was biking to work or to school or just biking in, in that time frame. And that was to provide some like encouragement and incentives to people just or just like a pat on the back if they already were riding and then using that that trail and so the Lance Armstrong bikeway and so in the future I think we'll we'll try and do more of those types of activations where we're we're there where the trails are and just encouraging people to use them and showing people how to do it safely as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's really amazing. I mean, J- Jake's work is, is just truly enjoyable to, <laughs> to, to, you know, consume. And, and he, he gets up and does some overhead stuff uh, via drone as well. And so, and it, and it makes a big difference because like you said, you had to pivot a little bit. You weren't able to do as many of those group rides that you would normally do to activate some of this new infrastructure. And, and be able to to show people the fact that, oh, hey, this is a critical connection that just got built. And oh, by the way, and it's it's super unique, too, because it's got this feature and that feature. And so it's wonderful to be able to sort of shift gears a little bit due to the pandemic and yet still be able to celebrate and spread the word about the, the new facilities. What are some of the other pivots that you all have done uh, because of the pandemic so that you could keep the, the, the process moving and keep the education happening? So when the pandemic did hit at first, a lot of our time was just focused on checking in with both the staff and then a lot of our program participants, especially the seniors, just to make sure everyone was taken care of and had all the resources they need. Um, and with our Golden Rollers program, a large part of it is focusing on de-isolation for older adults. And so with the pandemic that that increased their isolation much more than they generally might experience. And so uh, we did a call log to our seniors just to call and check in on a weekly basis. And we're continuing to do that now with Meals on Wheels and their Care Calls program. And so that was one area. Another thing that we did is we put a lot of our materials online and created these self-guided virtual materials for people to follow along with. And those are all available on our website um, at no cost to anyone, just freely sourced so that people can learn some of the foundational skills, basic information, safety information, rules of the roads to be able to bike on their own. Definitely saw a big uptick in biking as just an activity people could safely do during the pandemic. And so we had a lot of people asking, you know, like, what bike should I get or where can I find a bike or how do I do a basic fix up? to tune the brakes. And so just trying to get all that information um, accessible to people. Another thing we did is instead of doing our large scale uh, after school bike clubs through schools, we started doing pod programs and neighborhood based programs where we would do between five to eight kids in a small bike club on a weekly basis in October and November once our stages kind of ticked down. But that was just to give uh, families another option for kids to bike, but we weren't as limited to being in schools where there was a lot of hectic things going on. What else? A lot of our staff time is also just dedicated towards, yeah, Jake doing a lot of the filming, um, creating self-guided tours for people in Austin 
to engage with the built environment around them. Um, we have the Legend Mosaics pro project that is up now. And basically we worked with uh, the Mosaic Workshop and Something, Sco Something Cool Studios and then a lot of local art Austin artists to make these beautiful mosaic portraits of both African-American and Black uh, civil rights activists, as well as Chicana Latina civil rights activists and local leaders in Austin and, and Texas and beyond. And so part of that was creating the mosaics, and now they're starting to be placed throughout the city. And we created a little mini tour for people to go visit them by bike. I can share that route with you <laughs> after but just trying creatively to come up with ways to keep people engaged and connected, even when we can't all physically be together. Uh, it's been a challenge, but it's definitely been a way for Gisalo to also expand because I don't think we would have otherwise put our materials online in virtual formats, if not for the pandemic, because we're very much direct services uh, outside uh, experiential learning, but this is now another way for people to access more of the materials. And, you know, specifically for this audience, uh, it's also a wonderful way for them to now sort of uh, learn from the activities and the experiences that you have. And, and one of the things that I try to do with this podcast is uh, to try to create a very visual uh, landing page out on our website. And so I will actually make sure I have links and videos embedded for that landing page so that people, uh, when you're done listening to this, head over to that landing page and click through and you can access some of these wonderful videos that Jake has put together, as well as some of these other uh, programs. And, and you can click on through and, and learn about this and maybe use this organization's initiatives uh, as benchmarks for maybe something that you can duplicate in your community if you don't already have that. Um, now, you're also involved uh, with the Bicycle Advisory Committee, correct? Correct, yes. Excellent. Can you explain what that is? Because I know some cities, uh, you know, from, from the audience, you know, they, they may or may not have something similar to that. So can you explain what that's all about? Yes. Yeah, so the Bicycle Advisory Council is made up of 18 members uh, in the Austin community and, well, 19 including myself, <laughs> but they're just general folks in the community that are serving as liaisons with the city to uh, just provide any like feedback, insight, or just yeah, direct input on anything related to biking in Austin. And so that could be related to the physical in infrastructure, the built environment, um, bike lanes, trails, parking, bike parking access to anything like, you know, events that are going on or larger scale projects that are happening. For instance, we've been focusing a lot on the I-35 corridor project uh, recently. And um, it's also a way for the city to share information related to projects that they're doing other parties as well can come in, like UT is another, you know, big organization and body that'll come frequently, the neighborhood programs, quarter programs, really the whole gamut. And yeah, it's open to the general public to attend too. So there's members that are a part of it, but anyone is welcome to either come to the meetings when we are in physical location. Uh, we meet at City Hall but in the past year, it's been online. So now you just can tune in right from your home. 
Now, you mentioned the I-35 uh, corridor and some of the challenges there. Are, are you, You're located over on the east side? Correct. Why don't you give a little context as to why this, <laughs> why I-35 is, you know, keeps coming up. Uh, and, and recently it's even been coming up on, on national platforms. Yeah, so I'm still learning a lot of the history myself, but it dates back all the way to the 1928 uh, city plans. And so I-35 isn't just a highway, it serves as a huge barrier between um, communities and as a huge divide. Um, And so like the black and African-American population was pushed to the east side. And that I-35 highway is that physical uh, block that everyone can see and experience on a day-to-day basis. And so as uh, TxDOT, Texas Department of Transportation, TxDOT, is looking to do uh, highway expansion, lane expansion. A lot of uh, community members, community activists, a lot of people that have lived here for, for many, many years are highlighting the significance of I-35. And so that's why it's causing a lot of attention. But this isn't necessarily anything new. It's just something that now people are channeling into and like giving their awareness to. Um, But I think the biggest thing I think to point out is just like the historical disinvestment of the east side and all the aftermath effects of that are still being realized today. And so, yeah, a lot of discussions are focused on that healing process and just like understanding and awareness of what's been going on and then what to do moving forward. Yeah. And our good friend of the Active Towns podcast, uh, Hayden Blackwalker, has a program, Reconnect Austin, and they're really trying to take this opportunity to say, hey, it, it can be better. It doesn't have to just be this massive highway expansion, which exacerbates that barrier that's in place and, and remains overly auto or car centric. We should have an opportunity to restitch our community back together and and so that whole Reconnect Austin visualization or concept is is looking at what they're you know calling a cap and stitch and you know cap this you know bury those those lanes underground if possible and then try to reconnect the community so that uh, it's less of a barrier. So we shall see what happens with with all of that. But it has been fascinating to see since. Uh, with the administration changing and uh, the, the new secretary coming on board at the the federal DOT level with uh, Pete Buttigieg, um, where suddenly this is has new <laughs> life in in terms of hey we need to look at that historical context and we need to look at opportunities to reverse the damage that uh, has been caused to our communities. I think yeah, reversing the damage and then also just having a larger focus on the human experience and moving people through the environment versus focusing on how to move cars through the environment. Yeah. What have we not talked about, not covered that you want to make sure that we cover here today? So we have May Bike Month coming up, fastly approaching, and we're doing a number of different programs and projects on the Gisalo side to celebrate Bike Month. Our first big thing is on May 5th, which is Bike and School Day. And so traditionally there's bike to school day on national bike to school day, actually um, on that day. But because all the schools are adjusting differently to the pandemic and some are still virtual and doing remote learning and some are in person, we're just making it a bike and school day. And so 
We have over 20, 20 AISD schools in Austin signed up to be part of that so far and also expanding that as we go. But basically the students will participate in the Cycle Academy at Home activity with their teachers. And also uh, they'll be entered, some of the schools will be selected on needs basis to receive bikes and helmets to distribute to their students. And so we were lucky enough to receive some guardian bikes when they moved locations to Austin. And so our staff, uh, led by Grimali, who's our, our, fleet, our fleet specialist, we've been building those bikes up the past couple months and uh, we'll be distributing them in May. So between 80 and 100 bikes are gonna go out to kids and they'll all learn the foundational skills to riding and safety skills and have fun while doing it. Um, some other things that we're planning on doing is we're taking part in the library kids block party on May 15th. And this was an idea that they had where uh, originally, you know, they would close down parts of Second Street to be some kind of uh, all kids block party. But it's becoming a virtual kind of, <laughs> it's becoming a different type of event. But we'll be um, distributing some bike Cycle Academy bookmarks through that program and um, potentially distributing some of their packs to kids by bike um, for the event too. We'll be doing a large, well, large but safely distanced group ride with a Black Women Who Kayak Plus group on May 15th. Uh, and so that'll be both beginner riders and intermediate riders. And we'll do between three to 10 mile rides um, with them, but just, yeah excited to be back on the bikes with people in the community now that we've gone down to stage three and hopefully stage two by then. We'll have a Gisalo Bike Film Festival episode come out. And so that is, you know, bikes are involved in our film festival, but they're not the main feature. We like to have the bikes be a supporting character in the story sharing of folks, um, of what, you know, amazing things that they're doing both locally and nationally and globally. And the bike is just a, a small part of that. And so we'll be sharing uh, one of those story maps to come in May during Bike Month. Uh, we also uh, have been collaborating with Decipher City. Uh, they're a local group here uh, with Stephanie Webb, who's also on the Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Councils. Um, but she helped us to create Woven in Among Us tours back in 2019 and early 2020. And so she'll be back with us again in May uh, to create a third uh, bike tour. This one will be self-guided, but it's focused on black architects in Austin's history. And she shares a lot about the built environment. And so that would be a really interesting one for people to be on the lookout for uh, that we'll share sometime in May. What else? <laughs> that, that was a lot right there. <laughs> you are busy. <laughs> yeah. And then, okay, one more thing. Our, during the last week of the month of May, uh, we plan to do a bike to eat week. And so that's to um, encourage people to bike, you know, to local restaurants and local businesses. And uh, hopefully we'll be providing some incentives there too. Uh, but I won't spoil all the surprises. <laughs> that's great. That's great. What, what really it becomes clear is that it's so much more than just about cycling and so much more than just about the bike. It's like the bike is, is there, but it's really a tool for uh, some of the wonderful 
social cohesive types of things that you're doing. You've mentioned it earlier of reaching out to the the golden rollers uh, participants when you know be, to to make sure that they're doing okay in the in the midst of the pandemic and um, and 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 really bigger issues than than just the bike and just cycling and and all of that. It's just it it's. It becomes it's a manifestation of uh, and a tool towards a, you know, a better society and a better community and more social cohesion and, and all of those things. So it's that's really good stuff. So for those in our audience that are inspired by our discussion so far, what advice would you have for them if they'd like to make a difference in their neighborhoods? I would say, well, A huge thing is to see what's going on locally. I mean, both uh, going for a ride if you have a bike throughout your neighborhood or going for a walk and just being observant of what's around you, uh, both, you know, trails and people that are navigating by bike. And then also to see what different organizations are doing in your community and coming up with creative ways of working together um, to reach, you know, everyone's overall goals. Uh, I think that's definitely a sweet spot with Gisalo is finding creative ways to work with different organizations and community groups that are already doing amazing work. And so uh, seeing what's already going on and uh, how we can all work together and connect and collaborate. Fantastic. I love it. (laughs) Brianna, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much for joining me on the Active Towns podcast. Thank you so much, John. It was a pleasure as well. Thank you all so very much for tuning in to episode number 72 of the Active Towns podcast. Build it and they will come has been our chant as we march to the drumbeat of change. And to some extent, it's absolutely true, but it's certainly not that simple. The it, the infrastructure must be designed properly for all ages and abilities. And those facilities, hopefully an entire network of facilities, must be activated by supportive engagement, educational, and encouragement programs and services like those Brianna and I just discussed. Hopefully you've been inspired by this conversation and it has given you some ideas for your communities. If you feel you need some assistance or help, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd be happy to assist in any way that I can. My email is john, that's J-O-H-N, at activetowns.org. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes and landing page for those fun photos, videos, and helpful links. And as a final fundraising reminder, please consider helping me out by making that tax-deductible contribution to Active Towns. Each and every donation is truly appreciated and makes a huge difference in allowing me the ability to continue to produce this content and grow the culture of activity movement. Thank you all so very much. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. So until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. Cheers.